Today on the podcast, we look at what to do when being steamrolled by skeptics, and then we'll take a look at, that's correct, the Golden Globes. My name is Hayden Clark, and this is Help Me Believe. Before jumping into today's episode, I want to say thank you to our patron supporters. It's because of what you do that I get to produce free material uh, on the interwebs about Christianity, why it's true, defending Christianity, and trying to spread the message of the gospel. So thank you. If you want to become a patron supporter, you can follow the Patreon link in the description below and do so at our Patreon website. So I recently read an article over at the Gospel Coalition uh, written by Gregory Kokel, Greg Kokel, who I had on the podcast uh, not too long ago. You should go back to that episode and watch. It was excellent about his uh, uh, book, Tactics. It was the 10th anniversary of that book, and so he um, made an updated, revised, and expanded version of that book. It's really good. You should get a copy of that as well, but go watch that episode. It was really good. Anyway, he wrote this article over at the Gospel Coalition called Stop That Steamroller. A practical application of Matthew seven sixteen seven six rather sorry. He starts off the article by saying not everyone deserves an answer, and that's an odd thing for him to say as a lifelong Christian apologist and a very effective and popular one at that. So why would he say not everyone deserves an answer? What he's getting at is a verse in Matthew near the end of uh, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount where Jesus says, Do not give what is holy to dogs, and do not throw your pearls before swine. And quickly we want to make the point that Jesus is not calling people beasts, and he's not saying that some people are unworthy of, the, of sharing the gospel with or something like that. That's not what Jesus is saying at all, so let's go ahead and deny that up front. But he is making a very emphatic point. Rather, Kokel is interpreting these, uh, th- this verse to say something to the effect of we need to be wise and know when to step back from a conversation and know when we're pretty much getting nowhere and we're just wasting our time. Something to that effect. Um, but he, he wrote a very good uh, article on this, and he talks about the quote-unquote steamroller, which is uh, a tactic, or rather a, a poor tactic that he describes in his book Tactics, and it goes a little bit like this. What a steamroller is, is a person who is in conversation that is trying to overpower you. Not physically, and, and they're not trying to overpower you, overpower you with facts and reason and good logic, but rather they're trying to over, um, overwhelm you, overpower you with the force of their own personalities, is what Kokel says in the article. And so, just imagine you're in conversation with someone, and they just are not letting you speak, and they're just shooting off objection after objection. They're jumping from, uh, you know, immorality in the Old Testament and God is evil in the Old Testament to you really think that this happened, you really think this miracle happened, and what about evil and suffering in the world, why doesn't God do this? And they're just going on and on and on and on shooting objection, objection after after objection, and you never have a chance to respond because of their overwhelming and dominance personality. So Greg Kokel wants to give us some advice on how to handle such a situation as that, which a situation like that is um, can be it is quite uh, happens quite often, and uh, there's a lot of people like that, whether atheists, skeptics or not. There's Christians that way too who might treat an atheist or somebody of a different faith that way. But this is just um, good advice in general. And Kokel writes that the first step in dealing with a steamroller is pretty simple. It is to stop them, to stop them in their tracks. Uh, even though you may feel pushed and you may feel like you're on your heels, you need to stop the conversation dead in its tracks. 
So if they're constantly cutting you off and using their body language to intimidate you and things like that, you need to perhaps use a little body language, your own, stop your, raise your hand and say, hold on just a second, I'm not quite finished yet, can I address this objection, this thing that you said first, and give me time to adequately respond to it before moving on to some of the other ones that you have raised. Obviously, this is a, a great way to begin to stop a steamrolling situation. And a lot of times, if you are um, generous and you are kind and you're stopping them, you just simply raise your hand and say, hold on, can I just respond to this one objection first before we go on to others? And you, a lot of times, they'll just hear the sincerity in your voice, and it will bring them down a notch. And you can actually have a conversation about one thing for, for longer than five seconds before they're moving on to the next objection. And that's all you really needed to do to fix the steamrolling situation. But you can easily imagine that that isn't always the case. That's not always how it goes. That's kind of the um, best case scenario. You can easily imagine a situation where you say, hold on, can I address this objection first? And then we can move on to the next one. And you begin to address that, only to find out that they're not going to change and that they're going to continue the same steamrolling situation. Now, you've already tried to stop them, and Greg Kokel, and Greg Kokel says that step two is to shame them. And here is a monologue that he um, suggests using. It says, Can I ask you a favor? I'd love to respond to your concern, but you keep breaking in. Could I have a few moments without being cut off to develop my point? Then you can tell me what you think. Is that okay with you? So notice that there is a little bit, it's not harsh language at all, but it's a little bit more direct than the first. Hold on a second. Can I respond to your question before moving on to the next one? Now we're saying things like, You keep breaking in. And... I, without being cut off. We're being more direct here. We want to, we want them to acknowledge what they're doing, and we want them to see that they wouldn't want to be in this situation either. Even if I can answer all the questions that you're raising, I'm not having a chance to do so, which is probably the point, but it's, um, it's not a good way to have a conversation, obviously. And then it ends with a question. He says, is that okay with you? Because if it's not okay with you, then we're going to go to step three which is to leave. So first we stop them, then we shame them. We're not really shaming them. We're just using a little bit more direct language. And if that doesn't work, we just have, we're just going to have to leave. Remember, we ended step two with a question. Is that okay with you? And then if we try to continue, and they continue to do the same thing, or if they say that's not okay with them, that this is exactly what they want to do, and they're going to continue doing it, then it's just time to leave. All else has failed. You're just going to have to um, evacuate this situation. The end of Matthew 7, 6 says, Or they will trample the pearls, that is, under their feet, and turn and tear you to pieces. So when should we, um, when should we, when do we have an obligation to speak? When do we have an obligation to uh, provide a reason or a defense for the, ho the hope that is within us? Well, we should be generous with the truth. We should be generous with the gospel and presenting it to people. But when it is clearly just the person has utter contempt for the gospel or for, you know, this you know, God's existence or something like that, they clearly are just going to trample on it, as the verse says, and then viciously turn against us and try to make us look like immoral people or something like that. Uh, you, you know how it goes. We're bigots and, and stuff like that. And the reason that we should turn and leave is that we shouldn't get worked up about this. If we stay, we're likely to get angry ourselves, right, and start doing the same things that they're doing, which we shouldn't do. It's immoral. It's not good to do this. Um, and we're also wasting our time because they aren't going to change their mind. This is why you should start off every conversation whenever someone objects to your Christian faith with, if you could know with 100% certainty that Christianity was true, would you become a Christian? Would you then put your faith and trust in Jesus? And if they say no, 
I mean, even if you were to convince them 100% that God really does exist and Jesus really did rise from the dead and they still wouldn't believe, why waste your time? It doesn't make any sense at all to do such a thing. There are plenty of people, and here is the opportunity cost and why you should walk away. There are plenty of people out there who would change their minds, who would follow Jesus if they could just, uh, but they can't um, rationalize it. They don't see how God could exist for whatever, um, you know, mistaken argument or objection they have in their mind, or they can't come to see how Jesus could have risen from the dead or something like that. And But they would if they could just um, see it to be true or, or be convinced. They really would become a Christian if they were convinced in their minds that it really happened. There are people like that. They're on the fence, so to speak, or they're truly agnostic, or they're atheists that really are open. So don't waste your time with somebody who's not going to change their mind in the face of the facts. And don't waste your time with somebody who's just trying to steamroll the situation. They clearly don't care about what is true. They just want to look smart or they just want to win or something like that. And they want to look good in the in the eyes of their peers. And they want to look like the intelligentsia or they want to look like the smart one. Or they want to be the person who stuck it to the Christian or, or something like that. Who knows what their motives is, but it clearly isn't the truth, and it clearly isn't to have a good conversation, it clearly isn't to make new friends, it clearly, is, it clearly isn't anything good. So, don't waste your time with steamrollers. You should try to stop them. If that doesn't work, give them a little bit of shame, and if that doesn't work, just turn around and leave. It doesn't, I mean... Their eternity does not rest on your shoulders. You are perfectly within your rights to just simply walk away. Speaking of Steamroller, the Golden Globes aired this week and host Ricky Gervais steamrolled the Hollywood elite for using their speeches to lecture the American public on morality and politics as if they have the slightest clue about either. Despite Gervais's opening act, one uh, Michelle Williams proceeded to use her speech to do exactly what Gervais was talking about. That is, she lectured the American public on the moral goodness of abortion. Here's what she had to say. When you put this in someone's hands, you're acknowledging the choices that they make as an actor, moment by moment, scene by scene, no, day not. by day, but you're also acknowledging the choices they make as a person. The education they pursued, the training they sought, the hours they put in. I'm grateful for the acknowledgement of the choices I've made, and I'm also grateful to have lived at a moment in our society where choice exists. Okay, first of all, choice has always existed. Second, if by choice she means the choice to end the life of an innocent human being, which she clearly does given the context, I can think of few societies that have ever allowed for such a choice, at least in principle. They would at least try to hide it or, you know, misguide things and things like that, which is what we do in our society. This language itself, the language of choice, which is taken to be synonymous with the American virtue of freedom. However, the choice to end the life of an innocent human is the furthest thing from freedom, especially for the innocent human life, obviously, that is being taken. This has got to be the furthest thing from what we mean when we say home of the free. In fact, under any other circumstances, uh, a person who chooses to end the life of an innocent human being in the United States of America would be prosecuted and sentenced to prison, if not death. 
The reason for this is because your right to quote-unquote choose your own happiness ends where another person's right to life begins. And these rights are not granted by the government. The government does not choose uh, or decide who is and is not a person. Rights stem from human nature. If you are a human being, you have these rights by your very being. Of course, to use the language of our founding documents, our founding fathers, these rights that we have, the right to life, are endowed to us by our Creator. But even if you don't believe there is a Creator, you can reason from human nature to rights. You can do this philosophically, in other words, including the right to life. So if you are a human being, you have the right to life, and no one else has a right or a choice to infringe upon it. So while you do actually have a choice, you have free will. To end an innocent human life, like you could murder somebody right now, I wouldn't recommend it, that doesn't somehow make it magically virtuous. It is deeply immoral to do such a thing. So what you see here is just the deceitfulness of language. The left will pose questions like, who are you to decide what is right for me? Don't I have the right to choose... Um, what's best for my own life. Well, not if you are choosing to end an innocent human life. No, you, you don't have that the right to choose that, and you never have, and you never should. The language of choice and freedom is a smokescreen to stop you from uh, objecting to the ending of an innocent human life. That's what it is, plain and simple. Not to mention that a woman has an abortion because she feels that she has no other choice. And a lot of times, there's a third party that shares in the blame, namely a deadbeat father. Now, Michelle Williams has made it clear in her case, uh, I'm assuming she's had an abortion, her speech assumes that she has had an abortion. So, Michelle Williams, she's, she makes it clear that she felt that she had no other choice. She's a prime example of this. She felt that she had had to choose between personal success as an actress or whatever else may be the case and the life of her unborn innocent human child. She felt that she could not have both. That's not choice, okay? Which was, it was obviously a mistake to feel that way and morally wrong to do um, what she assumedly did. She did what she did because she felt that she had no other choice. So this whole language of choice and freedom, it's a complete sham. As women and as girls, Things can happen to our bodies that are not our choice. Okay, so taken at face value, this is as true of men as it is women, obviously. Now, if she's referring to rape, which I have no idea if she actually is, then we are all in agreement that rape is immoral and should be met with the full force of the law. Only a psychopath would, would disagree with that. So, does rape justify abortion. Consider that, uh, consider this, we, w we wouldn't take a gun and give it to the victim of a rape and say to the victim, here, take this gun and kill the person who has done this to you. The guilty party, do that. We wouldn't do that. that. The guilty party would have their day in court and they would be assumed innocent until proven guilty. That's how our legal system works. So why then would we allow the victim of a horrible crime to then end the life of a innocent child instead like how does that line up like we wouldn't let them kill the guilty party why are we going to let them kill the an innocent party in this why why this doesn't make any sense at all now if she's not talking about rape and she's actually talking about consensual sex again i have no idea specifically what she's talking about here then it simply is not true that something happened to your body that wasn't your choice you chose to have sex knowing what the outcome could be. 
Of course, you didn't know that it would be, but you knew you you knew what could happen. All right, you didn't. Um, you know, if you're a human being, if you're if you're old enough and mature enough to have sex, you are you know well enough how pregnancy happens. Like it's it's not a mystery. We all know how it works. Um, it's not something that happened to you. You chose to do this. But one that I had carved with my own hand, and I wouldn't have been able to words. do this without employing a woman's right to choose. First of all, the idea that a woman could not lead a successful life without having the right to end an innocent human life must be the biggest slap in the face to all women, but especially mothers. The, there are plenty of heroic women who deserve our admiration and our veneration, and they are not those who end the life of innocent human beings in order to achieve the success that they desire in their personal lives. Of course, that is not who we should be venerating as heroic. The real heroes are the single moms working two jobs while going to school to better themselves and the future of their children. Those are the real heroes, and they do it every day, all the time. I have family members that have done this. I have friends that have done this. It's not an uncommon thing to do. It is simply false that having an unexpected or unplanned child ruins a career. That's false. And to suggest such a thing is to diminish the many women who carry out their pregnancies and also achieve personal success in their careers and education. This is a false dichotomy, and it's obviously so. Secondly... And again, obviously, how does it show that women are powerful, right? Because this whole spill is about how women should be empowered and the right to choose is, is empowering to women and things like that. How does it show that women are powerful if they must end the life of an innocent human being in order to achieve personal success? How is that powerful or empowering to women? Not only is it actually weak, but it is unimaginably immoral, and obviously so, again. This is the furthest thing from progressive. I know my choices might look different than yours, but thank God or whomever you pray to that we live in a country founded on the principle that I am free to live by my faith and you are free to live by yours. So women, 18 to 118, when it is time to vote, please do so in your own self-interest. It's what men have been doing for years. Nothing like a little religious freedom with your abortion. I guess if you are worshiping Baal, that might somehow make sense. Otherwise, I have no idea what God you are talking about. Um, these sentences are always unfinished and or repurposed and obviously so. So she says, we live in a country founded on the principle that I'm free to live by my faith. Obviously, that is so, you're, if you're talking about religious faith. But substitute what she's actually talking about here, and it's absolutely absurd. So substitute to live by my faith with to have an abortion, or more specifically, to end the life of an innocent human being. Now, can you see the absurdity? Was our country really founded on the principle, again, complete misuse of a word, that you can have an abortion or that you can end the, the life of an innocent human being if it means that you can achieve what you perceive to be happiness? Obviously not. Our country was literally founded on the opposite principle. America was founded on the principle that all human beings are equal and all human beings are endowed by their creator with the right to life. 
However, I'll give her this. She was correct that we should thank God. We should thank God that in his amazing grace, he has sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. And if we repent of those sins and trust in him and his atoning work on the cross, we can share in his righteousness. We can become um, blameless. We can be made whole and live with him, live life with him forever. So Michelle Williams and women who have had an abortion, they are not beyond redemption. They're not more sinful than I am. They're not more sinful than you are. They're no more deserving of God's grace than you are. And they're no more deserving of God's grace than I am. So to Michelle and women who've had an abortion and men who have encouraged them or stood idly by, God's love is unfathomable and he is calling us all to repent of our sin and to trust in him for salvation. That's it for today. Thanks so much for joining me. If you enjoyed the episode, be sure to hit the like button, subscribe, leave us a review, and of course, if you want to support Help Me Believe and get access to bonus content, you can just follow the Patreon link in the description below labeled Help Me Believe, uh, support Help Me Believe, and become a supporter. My name is Hayden Clark, and this is Help Me Believe. Help Me Believe.